We're just going to pray the litany to, to start. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, meek and humble of heart, from the desire being esteemed, from the desire being loved, from the desire being extolled, from the desire being honored, from the desire being praised, from the desire being preferred to others, from the desire being consulted, from the desire being approved, from the fear being humiliated, from the fear being despised, from the fear of suffering rebukes, from the fear of being calumniated, from the fear of being forgotten, from the fear of being ridiculed, from the fear of being wronged, from the fear of being suspected, that others may be loved more than I, that others may be esteemed more than I, that in the opinion of the world others may increase and I may decrease, that others may be chosen and I set aside, that others may be praised and I unnoticed, that others may be preferred to me in everything. That others may be holier than I, provided that I may become as holy as I should. Saint Joseph, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So continuing kind of where we where we were, where we're going, and kind of diving in. You got your examination of conscience. And again, take this with you when we have our holy hour later on. And in the presence of God, I want you to, as you read through this, remember you're in the presence of God who is love. In the presence of God who is love, you read through the examine prayerfully. It's not a. It's not meant to be like God's, what is check mark book up there. He's like, okay, you get that one, check, check, check. It's, you know, it's more, it's going deeper. It's, it's going into the heart, into your spirit. You know, the spirit, the catechism speaks, doesn't speak a lot about it, but the human spirit is kind of like the deepest part of our souls. You know, one way I explain it is if the, the bottle is our body, the water is like our soul, but the color of the water is spirit. So your spirit is like, I don't know if you could say the flavor of the drink, you know, like... <laughs> Your spirit is like a part of, the deepest part of who you are. And so, we want to bring our spirits before the Lord. And you know, Benedict, right, just started this year of faith, right? And the whole year of faith, think about it. What's faith about? Faith's about putting your faith in a God who loves you recklessly, unconditionally, so that what? So that you can be yourself. And that's what this, again, that litany of humility, it's, it's, it's touching on these key things. This is basically saying, please protect me, God, from being anything other than myself. Humility is being, you know, the word humility, if you don't know, it comes from the word humus, meaning earth. It means to be low to the ground. It means to remember who you are. You are dust, and the dust you shall return. That God has breathed His Spirit and life into you. So, it, it's, it's being sober, it's sobriety. It's being aware that, I am who I am because of who He is. 
And He alone determines my value and my worth. No one else. Not my boss. Not my wife. Not my kids. Not my family. Not co-workers. Not friends. Not enemies. Nobody determines my value and worth but God. And until I'm convinced of that, I ain't going anywhere. I'm not going to grow. I'm not going to live in that New Testament. I'm not going to live in the Spirit, in the life of grace. So living in the life of grace, living in the New Testament, being in Christ means that we live in the truth. The truth of who we are. And who are we? That's for you to ask God. Let God tell you who you are. And again, a lot of our vocations and a lot of our lives is about the hidden things that we do and don't do. You know, like what it is to say, there's a, a quote I was reading. Um, you guys probably know it, but it, it's like, uh, there's this quote that I read. Um, I don't know where it's at, but it's, it's, it's some, oh, here it is. Um, you know, knowing, to know the character of a man by what he does when no one's watching. Did you ever hear that? Your character is, if you will, uh, the speaking out of where your spirit's at. So where's your spirit resting? Is it resting in truth? Is it resting in lies? Is it resting in, 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 the, in the worldly lifestyle? Is it resting in the Lord? Because only when our spirit's resting in the Lord and the truth that our character is going to display that. So your character is who you are when no one's watching. What you do when no one's watching. You know, when you're driving in the car and someone cuts you off, you know, you see your character, right? <laughs> so you, you know, even myself, driving here, it's like, you always get behind people that can't drive, you know. Or maybe it's me that can't drive, I don't know. But you know, it's this, you, you, you start to experience your own character, your own spirit. And you see, you know, these flaring ups, you know, like, like Paul, like Saint Paul says to the Galatians, you know, he said, you know, the, the outbursts of anger and, and hate and saying this and that. So the hidden way, the little hidden life. Think about it. How many years of Jesus' life were hidden? Thirty years. At least just traditionally, we, we know that he died around thirty-three. 30 years out of 33 of Christ's life, not hardly anyone knew him. What does that say about our prayer life? If he's the Son of God and only spent three years doing public ministry, three years, and 30 years in silence and solitude, that would speak a lot about how much a percentage of our lives we should spend doing and how much we should spend providing an atmosphere of silence and quiet. You know, and one, one, one part of being a father is being available. Being available. St. Joseph, in a, there's a mystical um, uh, writer that wrote about this, but Joseph spoke about being available to your children, to your wife, to your family, to those whoever, if you're not married, to whoever those God puts in your life. Being available. Being available, you have to, you have to, be okay with being quiet. Like going into the living room, for example, sitting down on the couch, not watching TV, just sitting there. And just sitting there. Oftentimes your kids will come by and, and want to talk and want to say something. Because you're being available. Because you're not you know, on the computer, you're not doing this, you're not doing that. You're, you're being available. You're, you're showing interest and wanting to listen to what 
your children, how to say, or your wife, or whoever it is that, that God puts you in your path. But this is see these hidden ways, the hidden way, the little hidden ways. A lot of our lives we live out in these hidden things. And our hidden life really is how we bring God's grace and love into the world. You know, I was talking um, at dinner. It's, uh, what's it again? Bart, yeah, Bart. I was talking to Bart at dinner. And um, we were talking about how we're called to live the spiritual war. We're called to live this spiritual war. And what does that mean? It means that as I come to know who I am, God will use me to help others to come to know who they are. Not just by my witness outwardly, but spiritually. And this is so often, I, I want to I speak on this just a moment, because I think so often it's missed in the church. You know, humility, knowing who I am, living in this truth of who I am, and then standing on that solid rock and firm ground, living Christ as a man. And then as I say, bring to the Lord in the confessional or in my prayer life a struggle I have, say, um, I'm bored in prayer a lot. And anyone can relate to that, right? I'm bored in prayer. I don't show much interest in the spiritual life. It's one of the questions on the survey I put out. You know, I don't get excited about my spiritual life. Okay, what do we do with that? What do I do with that? As a man of God, what do I do with that? You bring it to the Lord in prayer. And you might ask some questions. Jesus, please tell me why I'm bored. You know, help me to get to the root of why I'm bored. Why am I feel not interested in my prayer life? Why am I feel like I don't want to move? Why am I not as excited about my prayer as I am about the Nebraska game? I mean, it's a good question to ask. What's going on there that excites me in the Nebraska game that I don't get excited about in my spiritual life, in my, my, my life as a, as a follower of Christ, as a disciple of Christ? What's, what's keeping me from entering into that? Okay. So you're going to ask these questions. That's what prayer is. You're asking questions. A lot of prayer is asking questions. And I was talking to Bar, we were talking. The hardest thing to do is waiting on an answer. This is the hardest thing in the spiritual life. I... I'll just be honest with you. For me, one of the hardest things is waiting for God to speak. I can write down what I want Him to say. <laughs> and I think that's good. It's a good part of your journal experience of your relationship. Lord, this is what I'd like you to say. This is what I wouldn't like you to say. Lord, what do you say? What do you have to say about this while that I'm bored in my prayer? So you're giving God a question. You're putting faith, the year of faith. You're putting faith. It's humility. You're asking a question. Like your kids, they come up to you, they ask. But if your kids know you're going to say no, they hesitate to ask, right? Same thing with us and God. We kind of like start to not ask God any questions. We start to kind of withdraw from God. And God's saying, I want you to have a childlike faith. Ask me. Talk to me about why you're bored. And ask him about it. But go deeper. And then see, when you're bringing this into prayer, into the confessional, you know, bringing it in for heat, because this is where healing starts to happen. You're, you're, you're giving God access to what you can't fix. And as guys, we like to fix things, right? I mean, we want to fix things. You know, your wife wants to talk and you want to fix it, right? Rather than just listen. Just listen. She just wants to listen. She doesn't want you to fix it. You know, it's like you just listen. You know, I always say this is, 
I heard Father Larry Richard speak on this, and I think it's so true, but as a priest, it shouldn't be that I have more intimacy with your wife emotionally and spiritually than you do. Like, I as a priest hear a lot of things in the hearts of women and as, of men as they confess. But there should be, obviously there's, there's things you want just to share with the priest that you don't want to tell everyone else. But there should be a level of intimacy with you and your spouse that you can open your heart and talk about these deeper things that go on. And that's again going back to me being a man. Giving God access to your heart, to the degree you give God access to your heart, to that degree you're going to have, invite your, your, your wife into your heart. And she will be moved or, or whoever, you know, your girlfriend or whoever it is, you know, even your kids or whatever, you know, you're opening your heart to them. But if you don't open your heart to God and experience God affirming you and loving you in that very brokenness and who you are, you're not going to open your heart to anyone else. So this is just truth. We, we all do this. We all struggle with this. So the back to the boredom in prayer. Oftentimes we're bored because we're being too shallow, too superficial. A lot of times boredom is just simply not willing to go deeper. Or maybe I'm not able to go deeper because my image of God is such that I would never think that he could accept me if I showed him this or that part of my life. And he goes back to that right before we had our break for dinner, the lies that keep you from being interested in your spiritual life are directly linked to who you think God is. The image of God you have will dispose you to him or close you to him. The image you have of God will dispose you to Him, open yourself to Him, or you'll close down. And it has to do with truth and the lies about who He is. Because no human being will ever love you the way you're created to be loved. Only God can do that for us. And again, we have to come, you guys got to be convinced of that. I can tell you that, but you, you're all old enough to know that people don't love you the way you want to be loved. People can't love you that way. They fall short all the time. We fall short. So we either, A, say that we'll never be loved like we're created to be loved, so we, we, we dismiss that as just a fantasy or superficial. Like, that's, that's a great dream, Father. That's a great fantasy to think about. That's a great idea, Father. But no one in my human history has ever loved me like that, and therefore, it's not possible. Well, see, that's using reason alone. That's not bringing faith in. Faith says there is a God who made you that gave you the desire to be loved like you're created to be loved. And faith lets you put your hope and trust in Him. So that as you put your faith and hope and trust in God, you again you begin to open up and the boredom starts to go away. Because you start to experience how awesome it is to be in a relationship with God. But again, to do that, it's like confession is a good place to begin that, that messy, uncomfortable experience of choosing to open yourself even when 90% of you is like, no, I'm not going there. That's why you're bored, because you don't go there. And so we all need to challenge each other as men 
to, to go before the Lord in the confessional. Disclose our hearts. No matter what you feel, we choose the truth that God is love and He's going to love us. And then we'll start to see that interest and excitement come into our spiritual lives more. Then what do we do? See, you, you gain territory in that area. So, the way you experienced boredom before you went into that healing experience with God is going to be different. Now you're going to experience boredom differently. You might get bored again in prayer, but this time, what are you going to do when you're bored? You're going to say, Lord, I know what this is. It's the lies that I'm believing that keep me from opening my heart to you. And Jesus, I don't even know what's going on inside of me right now because I'm not able to even look and go there because I'm so afraid. And Lord, I offer up this for all those who haven't had any experience of opening their heart to you. You see, that's intercession. It's no longer I who live, it's Christ who lives in me. So you start to see how Jesus in you starts to take on the boredom for all those out there that are bored that have no clue what's even going on. And all they do is play, drink, work, play, drink, work, play, drink, work. They're in this very shallow, superficial spirit. There's no spirit. It's, it's, it's like a flat line. It's dead. They're dead, spiritually dead. They need somebody to carry the cross for them so that grace can flow through you out to them. See, this is the, going back to humility. If you don't know who you are, you're going to think that being a Christian is having to go out and do a bunch of stuff. Being a Christian is sitting in the quiet of your room, no one else seeing you, you bringing that boredom to the Lord in your prayer life, and you talking to Jesus about that boredom and saying, Jesus, I choose the cross. I choose this boredom. For all those men that marriages are falling apart and children are being abused or whatever it be, because they don't know you. The boredom is just a, it, it, it's a symptom of something deeper. But when you've allowed Christ to come into that deeper area and you bring it to Him in prayer, then you change the way you experience boredom. It's not longer I'm bored and I just go do something else. I press into the boredom. Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. He doesn't say the cross is, oh, the cross will go away once you go on retreat. He doesn't say that. Go on a retreat and your crosses will go away. He doesn't say that. But what he does say, the way you experience the cross before this retreat, hopefully will be different the way you experience the cross after this retreat. The way you experience the cross, hopefully will be different. One of my spiritual directors always used to ask me, how do you handle your crosses? It's a good question. How do you handle your crosses in your life? Emotional crosses, depression, anxiety, stresses at work. Your marriage, crosses in your marriage with your kids. How do you how do you handle those crosses? Sickness, physical illness. How do you handle the crosses of physical illness? Fatigue. How do you handle the crosses of, of being fatigued and tired? You know, being afraid to go to confession is a cross. How do you handle that fear of going to confession? How do you handle the fear of sitting down with your wife and talking about things you don't want to talk about? Or, or, or how do you handle the cross of uh, 
you know, of uh, struggling with an addiction, you know, whether it be pornography or drink and drugs, whatever our, our struggles with addiction, how do you handle that cross? See, the cross might be with you your whole life. It's not the cross that carries us. We carry the cross. See, before the retreat, the cross might be carrying you and dragging you through life. But after the retreat, hopefully, you take the cross and shoulder it. And you carry it for your kids, for your, for your wife, for your children, for your co-workers, for your enemies. This is what transforms the world. When Jesus is allowed to live through you, His passion, and to know how you're being called to serve Christ is to first, you gotta, you might bring this before the Lord. What is my cross? Identify your crosses. What are your crosses right now? Identify them. Because that's the place you're called to serve. Wherever your cross is, is where you're called to serve from. But often, again, you ain't going to serve anyone and you will not be able to carry that cross unless you first know who you are. And you're not going to know who you are by reading a book and or even reading the Bible. You need to go into silence and solitude and hear God directly tell you, this is who you are. This is how I love you. You know, you might even put two columns. How's the world love me? How's God love me? And where do you stand? Which one do you stand on? Do you really believe God loves you that way? We were talking in the food line, you know. Then you'll risk your reputation for Christ. You'll, you'll be willing to stand for Him. Does that make sense? On that, you know, that's in the, just... I wanted to hit on that. So as I've been saying, the spiritual detox sobriety, you know, coming into a place and accepting the truth of how weak I am, how I'm unable to live this gospel. And again, it's going back to New Testament power. We need that fuel. We need that grace. Grace is like gasoline in the car. We need that grace flowing through us. Um, and then we're going to become more, again, honest, authentic, stepping more and more into this truth, resting in it. Rest in who you are. And again, these are things you got to hear from Him. Who are you? Hear it from Him. Lord, what's the truth about who do you say that I am? Um, I just want to look up a few of these scriptures. So why don't we look up... Uh, somebody? Can, why don't someone look up Galatians and Luke and Corinthians? We'll just... Everyone look up something different. And we'll read them out. <laughs> okay, anyone got Corinthians down? Wait one second here. We give them. Who's going to read? You're going to read Corinthians, Joe. Who wants to read Galatians? Anyone? Okay, Peyton. And then Luke. Anyone? All right. Okay. Good. Read it loud.
Okay. I mean, that's a powerful scripture to pray about. What Paul's saying there, you know. God's saying, see, if we read, if we read a few verses earlier, that's just this scripture with the uh, thorn in the side. You know that scripture, Paul has a thorn in the side. It says here, listen to this. I'm going to read it just so you can hear. It says, And fear that I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations. A thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, in fear that I become exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might be taken from me. And He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Power is made perfect in weakness. Paul has a problem. And he's like, God, take my cross away. And God's like, no. Bottom line, just giving you the interpretation there. Take my cross away, Lord. You know, make my wife better. <laughs> or, or, or change my thing at this or that workplace. Or, or Lord, help me take away my struggles with, you know, drinking or my struggles with this or that. And God's saying, your cross is given to you so that God could be, His power could be made manifest in your life. If you, if God took away your crosses when you ask Him, then you would start leaning more on yourself than on Him. Right? If you don't have weakness and struggles, if you don't have things that you can't overcome, then you don't need God. What's the original temptation? Satan said to, to Eve and Adam, right, you, you don't need God. You guys can do this on your own. You take the fruit. You do it. You, you, you use your own eyes. You, you can do this. You can become like God. That's the temptation throughout all of our lives. And we have a hard time waiting on the Lord and resting in our weakness. Resting in your weakness and waiting on the Lord so that the grace of God, which comes to us through prayer and the sacraments, that fuel, you'll start to like, well, darn, I didn't know this thing started up. It's like a car, you're like, you know, what's this? Well, this is where the, somebody's like, that's the ignition. You turn the thing, and, you know, the, the engine goes. And maybe for the first time, there's parts of us, or, or we, have, we might have experiences on this retreat where we're like, darn, I didn't know I didn't have to push the car. I didn't know the thing started up. And that's what God's trying to teach Paul that. We know that up here. But until you're brought to that place where you're like unable to move, you feel like you're stretched on the cross and pinned against the cross, you don't have nowhere to go, that's when you really need the gift of faith. And that's when God starts to help you to experience this gift of faith that you were given at baptism. So His power is made perfect in our weakness. We're afraid to be weak. Think about that. Why am I afraid? That's another question. Why am I afraid to be weak? Real men aren't afraid to be weak. Jesus on the cross, they all thought he was a loser. He lost. Look, he's dead. He's Look, he's gone. We got him. If you're a son of God, come off the cross. Christ knew that it was only through the cross that he could save us. And everyone's laughing at him because he's on the cross. The world's going to laugh at you because of your crosses. Our crosses. You shouldn't have to do that. You, you know, who's the church to tell you that you should do this or that? You should be able to make your own decisions. Do always choose the easier route, the highest level of pleasure. Choose the way of pleasure. That's not the Christian way. 
Your cross is to save your soul and the souls of your wife and your kids and the souls of whoever God has attached that cross and graces to. There are people in the world right now that if you and I don't say yes to the cross, they don't get graces. Bottom line, that's how God made it be. Jesus won all the graces on the cross, but He needs to pour those graces out through the church. And if you and I don't climb up onto the cross with Him, graces don't flow through the church. And you can see how the spirit of Satan, the Antichrist, says, avoid the cross. Maximize pleasure, minimize pain. That's the, that's the gospel of the world. Maximize pleasure, minimize pain. That's the gospel of the world. The gospel of Jesus is, sometimes you take up the cross for others to experience the graces of my love to flow through you out into the world. Or the mystical body. Like if every one of you in here, like if some of you are toes, some of your hands, some of your feet, some of your arms, some of your legs, right? We're all parts of the body of Christ. If I'm receiving God the Father's love on the cross, think about it. All right, I'm struggling with anger right now. Say somebody's driving bad and I'm ready to go nuts. I'm on the cross. I have anger. That's my cross. At that moment, anger, identify your cross. Anger is my cross. Okay, Lord, Father Michael said, now I should start talking to you. Okay. So I start talking to the Lord. Lord, I have this anger. Jesus, I invite you into this anger. Please, Lord, bless all those that are angry, that are about to say something mean and destroy their marriage. See, I'm staying on the cross and letting love flow from the Father into the Son, out through His pierced heart into the world. When you and I are angry, or or, or Lord, I'm tempted to, to view a pornography site, Lord, I'm, I'm staying on the cross. I'm offering this up for all those men and women that are hurt by pornography or that are addicted to it in whatever way, that are destroying their lives and families. See, you're staying on the cross. And, and it's, the cross is kind of like the conduit or through which grace flows. So you've got to let the Lord flow. The Father wants to love humanity, but He needs the Son So love flows from the Father to the Son out to the human family. But, if you and I are like, no one's going to pierce my heart, I'm done with this. We we stop letting, we stop loving because we're afraid to die. I mean, reason alone, that makes sense. We should be afraid to die if it's just reason alone. But we believe that Jesus didn't just die, He rose from the dead. So to the degree you and I share in the sufferings of Christ, we'll share in the glory of Christ. So you want to experience the new life in the Spirit? You want to experience the Holy Spirit? You want to experience being a new man in Christ? You want to experience the kingdom of God? You want to experience grace flowing through you? Pick up your cross and follow Him. Start Take your cross as the stepping stone for your prayer life. Start your prayer life from where you feel the cross in your, in your body. Where am I feeling the cross in my body? You know, go through, go through your body, you know, my body. Then, Lord, where am I feeling the cross in my mind right now? What thoughts are causing me pain? You know, my, my emotions. Like, Lord, emotionally, where am I feeling the cross? Spiritually, where am I feeling the cross? I'm dry. I don't feel like praying. I'm tired. I want to just watch TV. Lord, I'm praying right now for all those who don't pray at all that want to watch TV just basically let their life disappear. 
See, you, you see how you take the cross, you take whatever it is, and you turn it into prayer, and then grace flows. You're giving God access to your humanity, right? God needs humanity to save humanity. God needs our humanity to flow through our humanity out into the world. It's incarnation, right? The Word became flesh. The Word, eternal Son of God, took on a human nature. He needs your human nature to continue to flow in you and through you out into the world. This is what it means to be a mystic. This is what it means to be a mystic. Not just the, the, the guy you read about, like Padre Pio and, you know, Maria Goretti and, uh, you know, Margaret Mary and Mother Teresa. You and me are called in the hidden ways. No one else knows what's going on inside of you, but you and God. And if you're humble enough to realize Satan doesn't want you, he does not want you to know what I'm telling you right now. If you get this, if you understand the power you have to save souls, then you should be, be ready for the spiritual war. Satan doesn't got to attack people that, that try to always get rid of their crosses. He's going to attack the people that see the power in the cross. What's Paul say in the gospel? He goes, we preach Christ crucified. That's what he says. He doesn't say, well, we preach. That's why, you know, taking Jesus off the cross, just having a resurrected cross, that's why the church doesn't encourage that. Because none of us have yet been resurrected. You can't resurrect and experience the resurrection until you've been on the cross and chose to be one with him on the cross and love as he loved. And where do you, how do you guys do that? How do we do that? Your vocation is where you're going to find God's will to love. Your vocation is where you find God's will to love. Be faithful to your vocation, you'll die. You die, you live forever in Him. Learn to die well. How do you die well? You need grace. What's the thing about the word grace? To dance gracefully, you know, to live gracefully. What's it mean? You know, like as a priest, you, when we anoint, you know, we anoint a lot of people. We see a lot of people die, and there's people I anoint that I see die kicking and screaming. There's people I anoint, and they die like a candle going; they're gone. And it's like you you wonder sometimes where are people interiorly when they're dying. This prayer of Saint Joseph, this says, "Into your hands I commend the care of my body and soul, but above all the last." of my life on earth. Guys, that is the final game. That's the end game. That's it. We're preparing for our last breath. And the way you live is the way you die. If you live taking things and grabbing things and having things and always avoiding the cross, you're going to have a hard time letting go of yourself at death. You're going to have a hard time dying. And I see it. We all struggle with it. But again, we don't just stop it like, oh, that's a struggle I have. You take it to prayer. Like, Lord, I'm afraid to die. I offer up my fear of dying for all those that are dying right now that don't know you. What happens at that moment? You become Jesus to that person in the hospital bed in Africa, India, South America, however God wants to flow. The Father flows through you, out through your heart, and into that soul. And one day, that soul will be there to shake your hand when you die. 
and say, he'll say, thank you for allowing Jesus through you to win the graces so that I can be in heaven. This is powerful. This is what it means to live the, the gospel message. Do you have a question? Just yawn. Does anyone have any questions, observations, thoughts, reflections on that? I only read one scripture, but what's that? Uh huh. Yeah, we're always ready, right? We always want to be ready for death. We never know when we're going to die. And we shouldn't be afraid of death. Hollywood gives us an, an image of death that's jacked up. Death is actually a birth into eternal life. Death is a doorway into eternity where there's no more suffering and pain. We think of death as like, you know, you, we think of it as, it's up to us, really, how we want to die. We choose that. And, and, and like the thief on the cross, it doesn't, it's not so much a matter, you know, the thief on the cross allowed Christ into his humanity, his fallen humanity. You know, Lord, let me be with you in paradise. Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. All he did was ask. He didn't be like, oh crap, let me go through a detailed version of my life so that... <laughs> That's not what this is about. Like, being, examining your life, like... We gotta be careful. Sometimes people misuse examinations of conscience and it becomes scrupulosity. Like, I have, I gotta get all this detail. It's like, you be honest. Don't, you don't wanna avoid being honest. But you don't have to be like overly scrupulous. You find the, the, the key areas where you're struggling, the major areas, and you wanna bring them before the Lord. Every holy communion you go to, all of the venial sins, less serious sins are washed away. That's what the church teaches. Every holy communion, Washes away our venial sins, right? But we need, for serious mortals, it's like I always say the difference, a little pin stick is different than a pen in the arm. And a pen in the arm is different than a knife in the side. knife in the side is different than a sword, right? There's levels of sin. I mean, that's clear as day. Just like a wound, there's levels of being wounded in our physical body. There's levels of spiritual woundedness. So we want to find the, the gravest, deepest spiritual wounds and we want to bring them before the Lord, specifically in the confessional. Jesus is a divine physician that can attend to those spiritual wounds. Again, and unclog that, that fuel line so that grace can flow, so that we can live this new life in the Spirit, so that we could take up our cross, so that we could live our lives for others and, and let the grace of God flow through us as we unite with ourselves to Jesus on the cross. This is why the Mass is the source and summit of our faith. What do we say at the Mass? This is my body given up for you. Every time you say yes to the cross, you're mystically joined to Christ on the cross. And you're saying, he's saying through your lips, this is my body given up for you. And mystically, somebody somewhere is getting graces because you chose to let Christ love through you, that soul, wherever they are. So again, this is just, this examination is to help us to get a little uncomfortable. Okay, that's the purpose of it, really. Because the deeper lie that ultimately leads to all these sins is you're not loved as you are. You're loved because of how well you perform. 
Well, that creates all kind of pain in the human heart. And when I have pain, I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to turn to any form of pleasure I can to eliminate my pain. Where's the pain coming from? The lie. Where'd the lie come from? Satan. What'd Satan say? God doesn't love you for who you are. He loves you because of how well you perform, how well you do. we got to fight that. And it's so hard for us to fight. There's really like, a, did you ever see that? What's that beautiful mind? You all see that? The movie where the guy struggles with all the different personalities. We all do that. There's the real me, and then there's all those other parts that the world has created of me that I fight against. There's the work me. There's the, you know, playtime me. There's the, you know, the, the me that is angry. You know, whatever. You know, we all have these different, these are things to take into your prayer time and, and reflect on as God reveals to you your wounds. Notice when Jesus rose from the dead, his wounds were still there. The difference between Christ's wounds before he died and after he died was after he died, his wounds were filled with light. You and I have wounds now that when we bring to the Lord, he puts light in our wounds. And it's through that light in our wounds that we, we witness to the world of the love of God. I'm wounded and he still loves me. And it's through those wounds that he flows through us out into the world. So who wants to read? What's it? Galatians uh, 3 3. And again, take, write these scriptures down too so you guys can take them into your prayer time. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Okay, I love that line. We just heard that in Mass a few weeks ago, right? You stupid Galatians, I love saying that. I was uh, told the people, I was like, you stupid Omaha people, stupid Americans. What he's saying is, don't forget who you are. You're royalty, you're precious to God. Don't lose that. But see, you can't live who you are until you claim who you are. So a part of a retreat, again, it's claiming. It goes back to, uh, you know, becoming more authentic, on stepping more and more into the truth, resting in it. You don't have to, you are loved. You don't have to do anything. You know, how many of you ever smoked? Anyone smoke? Or still does or whatever, right? If you stop smoking or if you give up smoking or you put down your, if you smoked a long time, this is something someone on my retreat director told me this once. I was on a retreat, a silent retreat, and he's like, "You, you like, you like your sins." I mean, he's like, "You like telling God you're sorry. You like." He's like, "You're. You don't have to convince him." And what he was saying to me is, it's kind of like smoking. You put down a cigarette and you stop smoking. You have a habit. You don't know what to do with your hand. Like You don't know what to do with your hand. you got to do something with it, right? It's kind of like this with love. You're loved. Well, i got to do something. i got I to do something. What do you mean I'm loved? I gotta, we're, like, we're like addicted to doing. It's like i got to do something. What do you mean I'm loved? Like i got to earn it. Try. That's why silence is so hard for us, because you don't do anything. And when you don't do anything, 
you start getting the shakes. You're like, I gotta do something. I gotta read a book. All right. And we're like, okay, I'm gonna pray my rosary. Okay. Those are good things. Reading a book that's good, a uh, rosary's good, Bible's good. But try doing nothing. And again, what's happening when you do nothing? You're getting in touch with the ultimate lie. Back to utility. I'm performing well. Well, now I'm not performing so well. I'm doing nothing. But those lies in me that are so strongly in, uh, that I'm, we, we walk like, this is like, it's like walking in syrup when you're in the world. The lies like the syrup and you, 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 it's, it's, it's like being in a town with soot everywhere and you can't help but pick it up when you're walking through life. These lies, you know, are so a part of our culture. This is what John Paul II called the culture of death. You can't live the life of a Christian if you're entrenched in these lies. But the, the, the key here is, guys, is you can't, you can't detox on your own. You can't get over this on your own. Only God's grace can cleanse you and strengthen you to fight against these lies. This lie of the, the, the doing addict, you know, busy, right? Do you ever hear the acronym for busy? Being under Satan's yoke. You're busy. Oh, he's got to be busy. You're under Satan's yoke. You're trying to be loved. You're trying to earn love. That's an offense to God. You want to confess a sin? That's the sin to confess. Lord, I have to, your love, you're not, look what you did, the, the hard work, the hard work you did on the cross, Jesus, that's good, but it's not good enough for me. I, I gotta still impress you. That is crap. That is not of God. And we wonder why we're emotionally sick and mentally sick in our society. And we wonder why we're so involved in a, addictive behaviors in our society. There's so much pain for me trying to always impress God that I have to go to something to numb the pain. Do you see the problem? The work's done. The work was done on the cross. Done. He said on the cross, it is finished. Basta. Finito. <laughs> That's it. It's done. We participate in that work. We're not like Protestants where we look back and say, He did it once and for all and that's it, we're done. We enter into the once and for all. We enter into the eternal now, the eternal moment where we participate in saving souls by entering into what He did once and for all. Every time you go to Mass, you bring to the altar all your crosses and you join in the Christ cross, Holy Communion. Grace is flowing in you and through you out into the world and saving souls. This makes the spiritual life exciting. So you start, hopefully you can start to slowly get in touch with this very sneaky little lie that lies under our flesh and our humanity that says you have to earn love. You have to do something. Try sitting, again, another way, confession's one way to get in touch with this lie. Another way to get in touch with this lie is to just sit in silence. Take an hour and do nothing, but look at him. And let him look back at you. You're going to get uncomfortable. Because you need detox. You need to be sobered up. You've been intoxicated like me and the rest of society with the world. So, if you avoid silence and solitude, 
you're just going to be more and more brought into the darkness. You're going to start believing that lie as if it's reality. And then before you know it, you can't see anymore. You're lost. Anyone ever see the... I was going to bring the first matrix. If you ever saw the first matrix, did anyone see it? That movie has a lot of symbolism. You know, it's all about we're stuck in a matrix. The society has created a matrix and we get lost in this matrix and we need to be set free from it. We need to be pulled out of the matrix of life so that we can then go back in and free the rest of the world from the lie. And what's the lie? You're loved only because you're doing good, you're performing well, you're, you're, you're successful at work. And, and the fact of the matter is, guys, is those aren't bad things, but if you don't know you're loved because of who you are, when you do get those things, it's actually worse for you than better for you. You're better to be smacked at, smack, fall on your face and have to deal with the lie than to be very successful and never deal with the lie. You know, it's, it's better off to, in all honesty, to be, to be brought to your knees. Again, humility. God's about humility here. Um, so Luke, who wants to read Luke? Okay, keep reading it. I just put up there. Okay, so he's saying, you know, that first line there, it's impossible, Lord, we're dead. Peter, you know, these guys are like, <laughs> if you could just kind of put yourself in that, that scene where they're like, who can be saved? We're all toast, Lord. I mean, we're done. I mean, you're doing this, like, you're saying this, like, there's no way we can be saved. And Jesus is like, precisely the point. You need a Savior. Wow, it's a revelation, huh? You guys and I have to come to a point in our life where we interiorly know you can't avoid the doing addiction. You're gonna, you're gonna, that's a cross that you're gonna wrestle with the rest of your life, but you can't overcome it without His grace. And what He's saying there is we need a Savior. We all have to call upon the name of the Lord. We have to, Lord, save me. Help me, God. But if I don't know what I need saved from, I don't need a Savior. And that's going back to what I said earlier. Confession gets you in touch with the lie you need saved from. Silence gets you in touch with the lie you need saved from. Your crosses, those are your crosses. That's where you start to pray from. And you ask the Lord to help you. So the retreat is all about this John thirty, John 3.30. Being born again. Like if you've seen the movie The Matrix, the guy had to be, it's like there was a new birthing happening. He was woken up from this matrix. He realized he was in the matrix. Hopefully you guys can experience some sort of an enlightening and awakening here through the Holy Spirit's help that you're stuck in the matrix and you need to be woken up. You need to be born again. 
So if someone wants to turn to that, John 30, 30, or no, 3.30. I'm into guns today, huh? John 30, 3.30. 30. Let's see here. Okay, let's start at, um, can we read from, uh, let's start at 320, I start at 325 and just read. Somebody want to do that? Okay. Actually, I want to go back a little bit. If we can read, go to three. It's kind of there's yeah. Read three three. Go to three three and read. Just read up to like three nine. Okay, that's good. So, so what he's saying, or think about that. What do you guys think he's saying there? I mean, based on what we're talking about, what are you just in your own thoughts or your own words? What is he saying there? So like being able to see differently, see life differently than you do now, right? Being born again, like he's like you could see how they're struggling with understanding Jesus. How can we be born again? He said, "Do we enter our mother's womb again?" And the Lord's like, "You guys, you'll get it one day." <laughs> they having a hard time understanding Jesus because see they're so used to the darkness. When he speaks about being born again, they can't think other than that which. You need a reference point to think from. And all they have is the darkness. See, Jesus has the light and he's reflecting on how people are in darkness. And call, he's calling them back into the light. Right? He's calling them, like children, when you're a child, you don't live by your value and worth being, being based on performance. Right? As children, 
You just believe you're loved. You don't even think about it. It's not even a conscious thought. You just live, you live in being loved. Your state of being is, I'm loved. We, the, the performance-based love is something we pick up like a disease as we grow through life. The word dis-ease, if you think about D-I-S, dis-ease. When you start to feel dis-ease, it's because you've got the disease, the lie, it started to affect you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, to do. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Sure. So what, what it means is, I guess what we're stepping into is intentionality. Kids do good things out of the, often the abundance of when their hearts are innocent. They, they just like to take a flower to mom. Then as they grow older, they realize, I can maybe get a piece of candy if I take a flower to mom. So I guess what I'm saying is that what you're doing has to flow out of knowing your love, not to get love. Like I don't do good things to get things. I do good things just because I'm doing good things out of the abundance of the love I've been given. So it's, again, in, in that level of reflection, a child wouldn't be able to go there. But but you can see the importance of, I'm going to do this because I'm loved, not to get love. I'm going to do this because I'm good, not to have to prove that I'm good. I'm going to do this because... You know, out of the abundance of the goodness that God has given me. So it's more of the intent. I'm, it's like standing on the solid ground of, I am good because God made me. I am precious because God. It's truth. And then out of that flows action. There's a philosophically, you know, action follows being. And what that means is, you know, a, a, a car, if you will, acts as a car, a rock as a rock, a frog as a frog. Only humans and angels can act contrary to how they are made to be. Like animals, creatures don't act contrary to their being, but we can. Like I can contradict how I'm created to act because I have free will and I can choose to act contrary to how God made me, which would we would call sin. I choose to act contrary to how I'm created. Like if I drove a car like a bulldozer, I'm driving it contrary to its being, meaning it's going to fall apart. But if human beings can choose to think different than they were created to think and act different than they were created to act, and, and often it has to do with we lose that fundamental truth. As we go through life, we start to pick up that virus, if you will, that says you're doing this because... Your love no longer do that because you love it. You're doing it because you want to get something. You want to impress people. Like, hey, look at me. Look what I did. Ain't I good? And kids do that. You can see at an early age, they, they want to impress. And it's not all bad, but what it is, there's a subtlety there that starts to happen that, that, that we start to impress upon our kids and upon ourselves. Um, right? You know, like for me, I, I get A's, I get 20 bucks. I get B's, I get 10 bucks. I strike out. People boo. I hit a home run, everyone cheers. 
as a kid, if I don't know how to process that properly, what happens? What happens is I, if mom and dad don't affirm me, even when I'm broken at times, they're only affirming me when I'm doing well, that's teaching them that love is based upon your performance, condition. Love is conditional. And we all struggle with that. And, and I think that's one of the hardest things as a parent, you know, as a husband, as a wife, as a priest, as a person, really, is to, to stay in that truth. But there's freedom in it. Like, when you start to live that way, and an exercise you guys might try is, try try one day, just with the, with this in mind, try giving, and ex- don't expect anything back all day long. Like, live with that intention in mind. I'm going to give all day, and I don't want anything back. I'm, I'm just saying, there's a freedom in knowing that I'm going to spend myself for my wife and kids today, and, and I don't want anything back. Because you know, often there's a deep, there's this deep, subtle, like, okay, if I do this, I'll get this or that. And we all do it. But that shows you how <laughs> how much we need a Savior, because this stuff's not easy to see, let alone live each day in this warfare. Um, and you should feel, in some sense, helpless, because in some sense you are. Without Jesus, we're, we cannot do this. And you can see how important a prayer life is in all of this. No prayer life, you aren't going to see anything. I mean, even myself from day to day, I, it's like I fade in and out. It's like, one moment I'm doing things because I'm out of the abundance of love. And when I do that, pay attention. When you live from that place of love and you're giving and giving, you find joy and freedom. And there's like an authority in it. You're like, it, it, you thrive on it. But when you start to fall into that, Okay, what am I going to get if I do this or that? It wastes, you feel like you're draining energy out of you. It's like a leech gets on you, like in the world, and starts sucking the energy. Like, okay, we, we go through all these processes. What do I got to do to do this, do this, this, this? Rather than just living in the freedom of the children of God, freedom of the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, the Bible says there's freedom. So that's a good question, yeah. 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 You, and and yeah, and you are who you are because of who he is. You are who you are because of who he is. And the more you know who he is, the more you know who you are, and the more your actions will reflect that. And that fruit we go back to Galatians, the fruits of the spirit begin to become manifest. And again, it's it's an important that's a very important question. That's getting at the heart of it. Because doing isn't a bad thing. But sometimes our doing needs to be purified. Why are we doing what we're doing? You know, that goes to intention. And it's not like we got to sit down and critique every action we do. Because that will drive you nuts. This isn't, remember, your work. This is the Holy Spirit. It's an inside job, right? The Holy Spirit has to do this. How's the Holy Spirit going to do it? Sacraments, prayer life. you you got to give Him access to it. He's not going to force in there and say, oh, I'm going in no matter what. No, you got to like give him access. you got to pop that door open of your heart and say, Lord, my intentions aren't really pure here. Can you help me? It's freeing to just say that, right? Like, Lord, my intentions right now at work are not pure at all. Like, I don't intend to do this for the right reasons. Can you please help me out? Because I can't do it without you. That's a, that's a prayer that's, that's rooted in that honesty. 
that's a humility prayer. That's that's a prayer of tr- in truth. Does that help? I hope that helps some. Mm-hmm. Now that's a great insight. You know, and isn't it interesting how if you look at the obvious ways the Antichrist is working, why is Satan, like abortion for example, why is he attacking the babies, the aborted children? This has nothing to do with people. The enemy's working here. Children have the ability to bring us into the kingdom because children live this out. And when we're children, when we see children being attacked, there should be nothing that makes us more angry as men than to fight for these children because the enemy is attacking the little ones who are the keys to the kingdom. If there aren't any children, that means we basically can't learn what it means to be loved and give love. We learn from children. In, in Isaiah 11, 6, Isaiah chapter 11, verse 6, it says, and a child will lead them. Jesus came as a little baby, right? We all were born as children. We need to remember what it's like to be children. But see, being a child is scary. Because when you're like a child out in the world, and I'm not saying childish, childlike, right? There's a difference. Being childlike as men, it's like, oh, this guy, like, they, people look at you funny, you know? It's like people look at me as a preacher, like, this guy's he has no purpose, he's wasted, what a waste, you know? Yeah, it's vulnerability, that's the key word right there. And as guys, you know, we got it. we're afraid of that vulnerability. And this is why God gave us women, in all honesty. Women, they like to talk about the interior a lot, you know, the emotions, the feel. It helps us, women kind of draw us out and, and help us to, they're made to receive us, right? So we got to give ourselves, but we often shut down because we're afraid to be men or childlike, okay? And it's hard. This is a spiritual war, guys. This is the spiritual war. It's not like I'm shooting like demons out of the sky. You know, it's like the the war is, is demons are trying to influence me to abort the child in me. The child Jesus lives in me and in you. He wants us to eliminate the child. He hates the child. That's why he's attacking women. Because women give us the gift of children. It's just very simple. That's why he attacked Mary. That's why he attacked Eve in the Garden of of Paradise. He went after the woman all the way through the Bible. He's after the woman. Why? Because the woman gives the children. Children are meant to remind us of our identity, who we're called to be. It's right where the spiritual war is, man. Right there. And so it's a battle. But keep that in mind, you know, these are things, these are things, things that the world doesn't see. Hopefully you, you start to make these connections in your own lives and you start to see, yeah, I do struggle with that, Father. That's a battle that I can relate to. I am having a hard time remaining childlike, being, you know, living from the abundance that I am loved. Lord, I do, Lord, I do live a lot of times trying to get love impress people. Boy, and we all do it. We all do it. You know, any other thoughts, reflections, or anything? Uh, 
spending time in silence. It's important. Silence is huge. Because how can you hear the cry of the baby, Jesus, in you, if you're not quiet? And that's ultimately with this. Being, being born again, guys, is letting Him be born again in you and through you. Jesus wants to be born in every human soul. Every Bethlehem. He, like your, all of your hearts is like a manger where the baby Jesus wants to be born. And He wants to live through you, His life. He wants to love through you out of the abundance of how much the Father loves me. Like living out of that abundance. But you're right, that silence is where we hear the cry. It's contemplative prayer. When you're sitting in silence, when we're going to go to adoration, when we sit in the silence, you listen for the baby crying within you, the child Jesus. Let me be loved, he's going to cry. Like, let my father love me. Stop telling me I have to do this. Stop telling me I have to do that to be loved. Stop telling me I have to, I have to. I am loved. As I am, who I am, I'm loved. That's why he's crying, because he wants to be picked up and embraced. But if you and I pick up the baby Jesus within us, you'll pay the price. When you go out into the world, you'll be laughed at. You gotta be strong. You gotta, their, their idea of being a man is, you gotta be strong. You gotta have it all together. You gotta have this all set up. You have that all set up. You have to have all these things in order. All of your ducks line up. You gotta be in control. You and I gotta make that choice. If you live that way, you'll be very unhappy. Why is there 50% divorce? I mean, that's just one statistic that speaks of the insanity going on out there. Insanity. And it's all this, you know. I'm so afraid of the baby that I'm always going out here. I got to text. I got to be on a computer. I got to watch TV. I got to be on the internet. I got to be at work doing paperwork. I got to do this. Always running from the child within. Run. You can't go embrace the child. Because the child will say, you're loved because of who you are, not because of what you do. It goes back to that all the time. That's how Satan attacks us. He plugs right into the culture. You know, And, and it's a real battle. I mean, this is a battle. That's why we got to spend time in silence like he's saying, Lou's saying here. Yeah, to learn to... And again, there's nothing wrong with earning a good living, having a great degree, being successful. But it's kind of like this. If you can't live without it, you'll never live well with it. If you can't learn to live without money, when you do have it, you'll never live well with it. It'll probably endanger your salvation. That's why when... Did you know that, like, I don't know what the, it's very high, like, 70% of the people that win, like, big lotteries are broke in, like, a small period of time. You know, five years, is that right? They're, like, broke. Millions of dollars, boom, gone. Because they don't know how to live without it. If you can live without things, you'll live well with them. That's why Jesus was born in a manger, poor. Because he wanted us to understand the message even in that. It's in poverty of spirit that we find the kingdom. The kingdom's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about living in the kingdom, living in the spirit, living in, I don't know how else to say it. 
living in the kingdom. And this is a battle. It's hard. We say it in the Our Father. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's God's will that's going on in heaven that's not going on on earth? Loving people for who they are, not for what they do. Heaven isn't about being loved because you perform well. On earth, everything's performance-based. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let us learn to love each other on earth, you could say, as, as God, you love everyone in heaven. That's what men do. We protect this truth. We defend it and stand up for it. Good, Dale. What's that? Well, if you don't know how to discern, I mean, I'm sure he's going to attack you. Yeah, but like, you know, the, the devil's going to attack us all the time. But we don't want to focus on the devil. But we got to know he exists, and we got to know he's a real being that is evil, that hates God, and he doesn't want you to let God continue to live. How does Satan keep God from living, attacking you, and keeping you from embracing the child? You kill the child off in your own spirit, and the child, when I say when you, the child in you, it's the part of you that wants to be loved for who you are, not, before, not because of how well you perform. That's Jesus in you. And we could go, I mean, if we had more time, we'd go on a whole other level of reflection of how the eternal Word created each of us. God's Word created you so that you could make His Word visible. The Word is Jesus. The Word made flesh is Jesus. How's the Word become flesh through the Spirit? When your spirits mingle with the Holy Spirit, the Word through which you were made becomes flesh through you. Satan sees that, hates that, and will do anything to keep you from doing it. So how's Satan going to attack you? I would say he attacks you to say, don't, don't go into silence. When you go into silence, you're going to start to get in touch with that lie. And if you see a lie, it no longer has power. Think about that. If you see a lie, you have power over it. Until you see a lie, you're living in it. When you see it, and it's been exposed, it's no longer that powerful. You can choose against it. And that's kind of what's happening as we talk and pray is, is God's exposing this, this original lie, this, this thread of Satan that's strung all throughout human history. He wants to cut it. So yeah, I'd say he attacks you primarily from keeping you out of silence. I know we got to get our... Uh... So, I mean, guys, we'll have a lot more to go on, and um, you can only suck in so much stuff at once, right? I mean, I, I, I think of these things a lot. This is what I dream about. <laughs> this is my stuff. Like I like talking. I could go all night long about this, but we need to get into some. Some we need to enflesh what we've heard. We need to go into some silent prayer. Um, and you're gonna we're gonna go to the chapel. You could take your notebook. You could take your Bible. But I'd encourage you spend a certain amount of that time in in silence until you start to feel that discomfort happening. That's the place where you want to stay. Okay, guys. And may God bless you, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
sur 